The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hey guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to the IMG interview prep live session. I'm so excited that y'all are joining today. Let's see, got my phone working. All right, all right, looks good. Awesome, everybody's joining in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, all right. So welcome to this Instagram live session. Um, We have 30 minutes together where I'll run through key items that you need to know in order to prepare for interview. So these are going to be some hot key items that you need to know, things that you should use on every single interview. Follow these steps, you know, go through this process. It's going to be a blueprint that you can hang on to as you begin this process. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I see Trauma, Bella, Kamatan, Mrs. Crystalicious. Um, welcome, welcome, Christine. Welcome, Shazia. Welcome, welcome, Array. Welcome, Dr. Ochuku. Ochuko. Welcome, 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 Just USMLE. Dr. Ify, welcome, Sophia Aubrey, Dr. Your Doctor Says, welcome guys, welcome, Stylish Clothes, welcome, 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 I see y'all, I see y'all, okay, someone's requesting to come in the video, maybe if you stick to the very end, we can do a mock interview with one volunteer, so if you want to be that person to do a mock interview, you could just let me know in the comments, and I'll allow you to join at the end, um, and that could just be a quick run through. Don't be anxious about it, okay? It's just a mock interview. So we can do a mock interview with one person at the end. All right, so let's head right into it. I have some slides that I prepared for us to guide us through this process. So I am Dr. Nina Loom. Most of you who are on here have met me through Instagram at Dr. Nina Loom. I'm a hospitalist. I was an IMG. I completed family medicine residency as chief resident in 2015. I worked in hospital administration. I've been a clinical preceptor for M4s and M3s for an osteopathic medical school here in, um, well, actually in Tennessee. So I've done a lot of medical education from the side of being a chief resident to the side of being um, an attending. More importantly, a lot of what I teach you, a lot of what I share with you is from my experience when I served as chief. So ever since then, just trying to stay up to date and bring you cutting edge information for IMGs, wherever you wherever you you're at and whatever part of your journey that you're in. So I also have the IMG Roadmap podcast, which is the only podcast for IMGs, for coaching, equipping and guiding IMGs. And then I have the IMG Roadmap course, which is a, a part live, part uh, self-paced course that I also offer for IMG. So, let's get right into it. What are some things that you need to do before you go for interview? So, before the interview, here are some things to remember. One, if you get an invitation for interview, that means that the program likes you, okay? So you can get over, are, am I worthy? Have I met the requirements? Can I match? All those questions, the answer is yes. Because getting an interview already means we like what we see on paper, you come with the credentials that we're asking for. So that's the first step. 
But then what do you need to do is what you need to do is prepare yourself for the interview itself. Now, there's a lot of research on this and it, there is a lot of evidence that shows that the single most important determinant of who makes the rank list um, is the interview experience. So depending on how your interview goes, you have a higher chance of making on the rank list if it is a positive experience for the program um, and you have a much lower chance of, not, of, of getting on the rank list if your interview does not leave them impressed. So basically, you know, most programs we get a um, plethora of applications and then they'll later on filter through who gets to make it to the rank list. So not everybody that gets interviewed makes it to the rank list, unfortunately. Not everybody that makes it to the rank list ends up matching at that program because there's a mathematical algorithm associated with that. But we're not going to get into that. We're just going to talk about interviews. So key items, if you're just joining in right now, number one, an interview invitation means you are appealing to the program. Number two, the most important determining factor that would uh, determine if you make it to the rank list is your interview experience. So interview day itself. So that being said, um, before you go to the interview, there are certain things you need to remember. The key items to remember is your target audience. So I like to think of the interview as a very professional communication or a very professional, you know, 15, 20 minutes of extreme communication with a program. And that could be represented by talking with the program director, talking with the program coordinator, talking with other attendings and faculty in the program, the chief resident and co-resident. Now, a lot of this is going to be virtual this, this year, but it doesn't change anything. What really matters most is with the virtual interview, you really have to focus on what you're saying, okay? Um, because a lot of times body language helps you in an in-person interview. Maybe walking around doing a tour can help burn time, allow for small talk. Virtual interviews may not offer you that same advantage, but doesn't mean you cannot use that as an opportunity to impress your listener. So the interview should be a very professional method of communication between you and the program. The reason I focus on the word communication is because when you speak, you need to keep in mind two things. Who is my target audience? What does my target audience want? Okay, so before the interview, before you can even begin to um, be in that space with that professional, that program director, that resident to begin to talk to them, you need to understand truly who they are and what they're about. So understanding your audience is key in any method of effective communication. Um, and you can take this example maybe in your personal life, how you talk to your family, how you talk to your friends. Usually you know that person and so you know how to respond to what they tell you. You can almost have some pre-existing presumptions about what that person may be thinking in order to respond to whatever questions they ask you. When it comes to the interview though, your audience therefore is the program director and the members of faculty and maybe the chief resident and co-residents of the program. So everything that you are communicating with them has to be in relation to as how it pertains to be, being a part of that program. So knowing your target audience is very important. Before the interview, how you get to know your target audience is, one, you may receive an email from the program coordinator kind of lining out the schedule for the day. Some programs do this, some programs don't. If you get that opportunity to be able to know who you'll be speaking with, it allows you time to do one, a quick search, Google search, website search, whatever just have a basic idea of who you will be speaking with. It really helps your communication flow. So for example, what does that mean? One, if I was invited to speak, uh, to interview at University of XYZ, 
I will be for sure that I review the website of the program. I make sure that I figure out ways in which my application portrays the fact that I tie in well with that program. Two, I would research who the program director is, who the um, faculty members that are on my itinerary, who they are, what their clinical interests are, where they work, what research papers they've had published. Those things just allow for me to have some point of conversation to bring up in case the conversation doesn't flow. So before the interview, key items, study the target audience, know the target audience, just very briefly do an overview of the, of the program website so you can know exactly what that program is known for, what they stand out for, what they offer, and such, okay? Then we'll quickly run into during the interview. So what you do during the interview is that process where you're sitting in front of the computer or across the table from uh, the official and you're having that conversation. Now, in order to be able to effectively deliver a message, one, you need to be a good listener. You need to be able to listen for the question. A lot of times, most of us, most of you have been practicing in front of the mirror, just trying to get things out, you know, preparing how to answer, you know, or maybe tell me about yourself. Why do you want to do this specialty? Why, why I am? Why peds? Why family? Why surgery? Why opto? Why OBGYN? You've sort of created your elevator pitch, right? But what you have forgotten to remember is you need to be listening for a question. So before you start to speak, make sure that you can process in your mind, what is this person really asking me? so that I make sure that I, in response, give them the answer to their question. It sounds very rudimentary, but this is a very key area where you can fumble and just start, you know, maybe have some mouth diarrhea and forget the essentials of what the question was. So it's important, one, that you listen. Listen intently for the question. Don't always listen to speak, but listen to understand. And then once you have processed that, and I can take just a few minutes, a few seconds, once you process that, then you come back in with the response. And we'll talk about some uh, specific questions at the end um, of this overview, because I know some of you have questions as to how do I respond to this and that, and I want you, you can drop those in the chat and we'll take those at the end of the IG Live. So really it's important that during the interview, you have First, master your audience, you know who you're speaking with, you know what the clinical interests are, just some basic tenets, the role in the program. Second, you study the program website, maybe talk to some residents who've been there or alumni from your school so you have a general idea about what the program offers. Third, you have maybe prepared your elevator pitch, but you're not ready to just spew that out. You're also ready to listen so you can effectively communicate and answer the question that is being asked. Now. The, second, the fourth thing that I want you to remember during the interview is always find the opportunity to speak to why you are being interviewed on that day. So the overarching question is this, why am I being interviewed? I'm, interview I'm being interviewed for the potential position of becoming an intern. So how do I approach this? That means everything I say on interview day should speak to how I will become a good fit for the program. Because programs are really looking for a fit. They're looking for who's going to come here, who's going to thrive, who's going to fit in, who have the, the best time training here compared to elsewhere. They're also asking themselves, what kind of person do we think that we want to spend three years with or four years with or five years with to train? Is this person eligible? Is this the kind of candidate that we want? So those are questions that programs are asking themselves when they're interviewing you. So the information that you relay should help them answer those questions. What do I mean by that? If I was interviewing for a family medicine program, 
That means when I'm being asked to tell about myself, I do not just go off and ranting about, well, my name is Nina Loom. I was born in Cameroon. I was raised in Cameroon. I went to a Caribbean medical school. I finished the Caribbean medical school. I have two brothers and, and I have a pet and I live in Chicago. That's not the point of tell me about yourself. If I was interviewed by Family Medicine Program, I'll be telling about myself as it pertains to me becoming a family medicine intern at program XYZ. So that may change into a very brief overview of how I fit. So because I was born in this other country, because I have this international experience, because I have uh, younger siblings or I have been the primary, the older elderly sibling, I've been able to care for my family and that really exposed me to the needs of the general family unit. And I wanted to be a part of this discipline of medicine that helps underserved people like the community I was born and raised in and um, serve families so that I can be a part of, you know, birth to death, whatever that is for you. So really, in essence, it's just no longer the story of my life. It becomes the story of my life as it pertains to becoming an intern in family medicine. Now, fast forward, it could be something surgical. It could be I'm interviewing for general surgery. Well, the fact that I'm from Thailand and I went to school in China and during my clinical years, I studied under a professor of surgery and I grew to love the specialty. But it was because of my exposure in China that I therefore started to realize I was really good with my hands. I was knitting. I had this hobbies that involved like really fine motor movements. And I started to develop upon that. And now I believe that being presented the opportunity to train in the state would enrich my career so I can give back to my community in the future as a surgeon. So that would be how I would tell about myself. So a key, some key things to remember. Storytelling goes a long way. Everybody relates to a good story. I usually say a good story has a character, it has an obstacle, and it has an outcome. Now, I'm always the character in the story because I'm the one getting interviewed. My, my uh, obstacle could be maybe background, it could be something um, from a prior clinical experience, it could be something from whatever it was, and then my outcome is why we're sitting in this office today having this conversation. So you can, you can use that variation of storytelling in so many different ways. In so, for every question, what, am I, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? When you ask me that question, I think, okay, I'm the character. What are my strengths? Well, what is the obstacle? Well, my, my strength was, is not just, you know, I'm really great. That wouldn't be a strength, right? It would be, well, I actually have a gift in writing. And, you know, maybe that started off as a younger child, just in loving storytelling, but it translates into even writing medical articles and journal articles. And I look forward to being a part of written research. That would be a strength that I would share with the program. But you see what I did there? It wasn't just, I'm a blogger on my free time. It's, I'm a writer on my free time, but I'm looking forward to how I can incorporate that into the world of medicine, right? and maybe write some articles that get published, right? So that is how, that's a strength. Now, tell me about your weaknesses, or for me, it could be hitting the snooze button. But I'm not gonna tell my program director that, well, my weakness is hitting the snooze button. My weakness, therefore, would be maybe when I was in university or in college, I had trouble with time management, but seeing as I've ever since left college, when it's a medical school, I started working on timers, I figured out time management, I use all these resources, and now, I am looking for, I, I'm more of a person that works on a schedule. So again, that's me using a story to tell them how 
maybe a past weakness is no longer a weakness or how I've worked on it. So those are just some like basic things to remember that you can use to tell any story in the world. Especially do an interview, a professional interview, you can use the key tenets of a character, an obstacle, and an outcome to relay a point, answer a question, and effectively share a story that's memorable. Because here's the thing, programs are gonna interview hundreds of applicants. And they may interview 150 applicants for 10 spots, or they may interview 200 applicants for 10 spots. And how do you think that these, your audience, right? Let's go back to the audience. How do you think your audience is able to create a remarkable impression of you, right? One, it would be through your conversation. It would be through the, your storytelling techniques, how you answer questions, how impressionable you are. And that could be, you know, some experiences that you put in your personal statement, or it could be something on your CV. It could be something on your ERAS form, or it could be something that you relay in the interview. And so another key thing to remember is prior to the interview, you should review your personal statement. You should review your ERAS form because you will be questioned on one or two items from that form. Because remember, those are the items that allow the program to know a little bit more about you to invite you for interview. So I'm going to um, just slow down here. We've said a lot in such a little time. I know we only had 30 minutes for this. So I'm going to allow for you to start dropping your questions in the chat box. And then I'll proceed into things that you can do once the interview is over. So after the interview, a lot of times um, some programs will tell you straight up, hey, do send us a uh uh, do send us, don't send us thank you emails. Like we, you know, we don't really want that. Um, we'll be in communication with you. Others would say, well, do send, you know, they won't tell you anything. If, as long as there's no restrictions from the program directly expressing that they really don't need you to send them a gift or a thank you letter, don't send a gift, please don't just a thank you email is perfect or a letter, a card or whatever. Um, but I think gifts are not necessary. They're brown nosing. I do not recommend it. But a thank you note could be acceptable, provided they don't tell you otherwise. So usually I always say try to keep the gates of communication open. And that could be, you know, at the end of my interview, I would, if I'm being asked, do you have any further questions? I would probably ask the program director, is it okay to continue to reach out with questions to the program and who do I address that to? And that may be, you may be directed to the coordinator, he may be directed to the program director, you just never know. But if you don't ask for that line of communication to stay open, you may just be like, oh my God, I don't know if they like me. I don't know, you know, you're you're uncertain. So for those who choose to um, proceed with, say, if you choose to proceed with uh, communicating with the program, uh, I suggest a short email, just like what I have on the screen. It's not very clear, but it just says, Dear Doctor, insert program director's name or program coordinator. Remember with your thank you emails, they just should not be vague. You maybe want to incorporate something along the lines of a one remarkable item that you discuss with that individual. So if it was a program director and y'all discussed research or fellowship options or community-based work or a curriculum, whatever it was, I want you to take note of that because that's why in one of my, I have a video on my profile about how to prepare for virtual interviews. And at the very end, I said, always have a notepad and a pen because you want to write something remarkable that in your thank you email, you can therefore say, hey, Dr. Loom, uh, thank you so much for taking out the time to talk to me about the curriculum at XYZ Family Medicine Program. I appreciate the time spent. I do look forward to to continuing to communicate with you. Will there be an appropriate way to do that? Have a great week, Nina Loom, whatever that is. But leave leave for an open end with an open-ended question so that you allow for a line of communication back, if any. Some programs will respond, some may not respond. As it shows on the screen, when you sign your name, always make sure your AMC ID, your contact information is in your signature line. 
so that they can have an easy way to reach out to you if they choose to. Um, it's a lot easier to click on something and and uh, or copy paste uh, AMC ID when it's right there in front of you than it is to try to find out, you know, go back to the database and figure out this and that and every other thing. So just some key items to remember for after the interview. So um, some questions to prepare for. Oh, my, my phone slid there for a second. So questions to prepare for the interview. There are so many of them. I mean, if you go on Google, you'll probably find a list of questions that you should be preparing for. Um, Mrs. Chris Delicious over here asked, how should you discuss failures? What are good questions to ask? So that may be a question to prepare for is how do you, how am I going to address the idea of I was being asked about a failure on step one or repeating step two or, you know, and the, or some, something of, along the lines. The best way to address failure is to be honest. Uh, remember that integrity goes a long way. Character goes a long way. Your professors that you're going to be interviewing you, your clinical preceptors, they are very wise. They have been through the mills. They've met residents who've had worse portfolio than you, who've had better portfolios than you. So it's important to be honest. But more importantly, I say every time there's a failure, you should focus on the lesson learned. So if I failed step one, for example, and, and I was in an interview and somebody asked me why I failed step one, one, I'll be very honest with them as to why I failed it, but I wouldn't just leave it at that. I'll make sure I end it with the lessons I learned as a result of that failure and how... I have gone forward to no longer reproduce the same results. So it may be step one, I failed it, but in the process of that, I learned that I wasn't good with interpreting the multiple choice questions. So I took a course to learn about it. I did an advanced adult learning session with a um, with an educational, like the masters of education people, or, or you know maybe I consulted with an adult learning. Um, coach or whatever and I was able to overcome that and therefore on step two and step three I was able to take them on first attempt and score a lot higher so it shouldn't just be here's my failure let's all deal with it it should be here's my failure here's why it happened here are the lessons I learned from it and here's how I have moved on to no longer reproduce the same results okay so I think that would be the best way to address a failure um, the dreaded so it's L3S says, tell me about yourself question. How short would you advise us to keep it? Okay, that's a good point. Tell me about yourself should never go over 90 seconds because once you start ranting, that's what you're doing. You're ranting. You're no longer relaying an effective message. At the beginning of this live, I talked about effective communication. One, are you speaking in full sentences? Are you actually getting your point across or are you just ranting? So Tell me about my tell me about yourself should be one a complete couple of sentences under 90 seconds or so a minute and a half right around there um and you should always lead into why you are being interviewed on that day why you're sitting in that office it shouldn't just be here's the story of my life you take it and synthesize it no it's your choice it's your opportunity to say here's the story of my life but here is how my life has brought me to this position where i'm interviewing for for internship at your program. That's tell me about yourself. Um, so a key point, someone asked, you know, should I use a key point in the story or just a couple? You can use a couple of things because your life eventually always intertwined with one another. So it's never really just one thing that brought you here. You can touch on several different items. 
Um, how do you keep from the interview? How do you keep the interviewer active and when you can retire us all over them? Well, if you perceive that they're fatigued, um, I think you can switch into trying to figure out if there's something that interests them that they want to talk about. So maybe asking them about their day-to-day work and their role in the program and if they have any particular clinical interest. A really good question, I think, if you have nothing else to ask a program or a faculty member, is just ask them, what are the expectations for your resident? What do you expect your interns to be able to achieve by the end of intern? Um, and that just usually opens up a floodgate because I'll tell you, every attending who has taught a resident or an intern, they always feel like, at the end of my teaching session with this person, here's what I want them to learn. And so you should always, you can always use that if you have nothing else to ask them in return, or if you feel like they're not engaging you in conversation, ask them, what are your expectations? Because maybe there's something about me in this moment that makes you feel like I'm not a good fit, but maybe if you tell me what, you're, what you consider a good fit, I can understand what you want. And then maybe in my response, I can tell you how I can be a good fit. So definitely something to think about. Um, so someone asked, Suhulio asked about the visa statuses. Once you get an interview, your visa status is never a point of contention. As long as you have an interview, it never really comes up. Um, and most people that interview you probably don't even understand the differences between those. So I don't think it plays a big role at all. Uh, Ravneet says, if we receive an invite through uh, ERAS, do we send an email to the program coordinator saying thanks for the invite or is that unnecessary? I mean, you can, you can send an, an email, that's fine. But usually the, the evite tells you where to go and book your appointment and all that. Um, and you, you don't need to send them a thank you email. But if you're that, if you're a kind, polite person and that's what you would do on a daily basis, then please go for it. Um, Dr. Ochuku says, how soon should we send letter of interest to programs we haven't heard from? So I'll tell you a story. I personally, when I applied... I didn't hear from it was crickets for me it was crickets for me for maybe about two or three weeks and nobody was calling me back nobody i didn't get any invites and about two weeks in i thought i'm just gonna start sending uh you know emails of interest um and in the process of doing that actually i didn't send emails i called and this was back in the day i don't know what if they allow you to call or not but i researched the programs and i put, pulled out the numbers from frida and I called programs and I called and I called and I called. I just started from the top of the list and I called. And my call was usually, hi, this is Nina Loom. I'm a fourth year medical student at University of Anastasius in the Caribbean. Um, I applied to your program and I haven't heard back from you. And I just wanted to call to express interest in, in, you know, in training at your facility um, or to see if there was any status updates or anything I can do. And in that process, a lot of it went to voicemails. I mean, it was just voicemail after voicemail after voicemail. But um, I got a few program coordinators on the phone because that's who you get on the phone. And one of them told me, actually, I have your application sitting out here in the wait list line. And we just didn't get a chance to send it out. And, um, and she was like, well, we'll look into it and we'll let you know. And within maybe about a few days, I get an invite. And that's where I end up matching. So long story short, um, you know, you can start. There's no, there's no right or wrong time. I just felt like maybe one or two weeks is is good time because you have to give them time to process the application. Um, someone asked, do you think sending emails before application season? Yes. So I think the best time to actually communicate with these programs is before application season. Right now they're bombarded. They're not reading a lot of emails. They're trying to focus on interview. So your best time to really get a program to invite you for an interview is before ERAS even opens. So in the summer of the year in which you're applying. So like, for example, 
if you were interested in the program for to match into, I think you should have started contacting them in August or even in July or June. And you should always be contacting them with a question like, hey, observership opportunity. And I know COVID interrupted a lot of things for IMG, so I do understand that. But I'm also in a state where doors have reopened. I see students at the hospital back now. So, you know, you can always argue that you can find a hospital that's still doing in-person rotations. But um, definitely doing that prior to interview season is the best way. Um, okay, Melissa is on here. She says, I've attended a few virtual conferences where I have questions such as what are you looking in your applicant and what do you expect? And I've gotten what felt very generic answer. And sometimes maybe it's because the person is not ready for that question. I mean, that's the honest truth. They may just not be ready for it. Um, so, you know, that doesn't mean anything. You just keep asking that question. Or you can ask other questions, right? You don't always have to ask what they're expecting. You can ask other questions. Um, you can ask a question based on their personal profile. You can ask a question based on where their prior graduates have ended up. If you have interest in fellowship, what their fellowship turnout rate is or fellowship match rate is. You have interest in research, what that is like, um, whatever your interests are, you want to see if they meet you at that point. Um, how much time before application season should we send CV? Uh, yeah, so like in my course, for example, I have email templates that you can use to send out uh, email interests. But it's just, like I said, always ask an open-ended question so that it allows the person to respond. To. All right, so we'll do some questions and whomever, if you want to be a part of the live, um, and I can ask you just some generic interview questions and we can see if you're ready. Um, just request to join the live right now and, and we'll do it. So I have another question. It says, uh, where, where the steps, where, where the steps exams are taken? Is it possible to take it in Africa or exclusively? You can take the steps anywhere in the world, thankfully. So in, in Africa, I know you can do it in, uh, South Africa, Ghana, um, and I want to say one of the Northern Africans, I don't know, I think it's Egypt. So there are places across prometric centers across the world. Europe, obviously borders are kind of limited, but Europe also has several center in Africa. Um, so when is a good time to send interest email? The best time to send interest emails, in my opinion, has already passed, but you can send it at any time now. There is um, no perfect time because it's not a part of the process. So what should you do if you have been placed on an interview wait list? You wait. And um, that's really it. Um, yeah, so a few other comments. Um, well, it says Kenya, erases Kenya. So that's those are areas that you can uh, take the test in. So let's do some interview. Let's do a mock interview with Delicious. Um, let me see if there are any other questions while we're waiting for her. If not, I'll take some more questions. No. Oh, yeah. I guess she wasn't intending to be in the chat. That's fine. Um, let's see if Arnav is wanting to be a part of this. Oh, that's fine. Uh, Arnav. Okay. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thanks for How having me. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How about you? I'm doing great. So um, you joined on. Do you want to do a quick rapid fire interview prep? Sure. I'm in. Okay. So what's your first name and last name, please? Uh, my first name is Arnav. My last name is Kamat. Okay. So I'll just hit you with it. Like I have your ERAS form, like I have your personal statement, but I don't, right? Obviously, yes. because this is impromptu. So hey, Arnav, welcome. Thanks for coming to our program. Um, we really appreciate that you took this interview invitation with us. So just t tell me about yourself. Um, yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, 
So I'm a 25-year-old uh, medical graduate from India. I did my uh, medical uh, back in India, and I'm, I'm really lucky to be here. I'm uh, pursuing a career in radiology, so um, I, I've read all about your program, and I'm uh, excited about it. Okay, awesome. So feedback, right? Great introduction because it was short. Um, it was to the point. It told us where you're from. It told us what you're looking for. But I would probably consider adding a little bit of personality into it, you know, so I'm Arnav. You don't really have to state your age. It's not needed. But you could say something like, I'm Arnav. I'm from South India. Um, I, you know, I went to medical school there. I have a strong interest in radiology because. So give a reason, right? Um, and I'm currently in wherever place that you're in. Um, as a young child, I was so inspired by this radiologist or this thing about radiology that brought me into it. So you add a little bit of a personal flavor to it. So it's just not. Arnav, the 25-year-old who wants to be a radiologist because everybody else who is going to be on the interview trail wanted to, once that's interviewing at that program also wants to be a radiologist. So adding something personal, maybe something unique about yourself, maybe something, and it could be anything. It could be a hobby. It could be photography. It could be a skill that you have that just makes you a little bit special or something that makes you stand out. And that can vary from person to person. It may be something that you did that was remarkable in medical school that led you to realize that you were passionate about radiology. It could be something, um, it could be something in your life, in your family. So find something that you can tie to that is remarkable. So when I leave the call, I can remember Arnav and what he told me, but it wouldn't just be Arnav who wants to be a radiologist. It would be Arnav who has a special background that is different from the ordinary and how he tied it in to his love for radiology. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. That was very helpful. All right. Good. So we'll see if there's somebody else that wants to pop up and take another question. Sure. Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. So we did that one with Arnav. Let's see if we have more questions. So Chini Babe says, is it better to send a letter of interest to program director or program coordinator? Always a program coordinator unless the program director tells you that it's okay to reach out to them because they're probably not going to read, honestly. So you can send to a program coordinator. Sometimes you can see to the program director as well. Uh, uh, so the life, as it clearly says on there, is uh, IMG Life for residency preparation. Um, so let's see. Atima95 is sending us a request. Let's see if she's really serious about this. Let's get her on. All right. Oh, waiting. Let's see if there's another question. Are there ways to get to know the U.S. system? without USCE. The only way to know the US system without USCE would be maybe just reading the internet. But hey, hi, how are you? I'm okay. Hi, good evening. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for being courageous to ask to join the live. <laughs> I think a lot of people are kind of nervous about doing this. Yeah. So tell me, where are you? Where are you right now? I'm in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. And you applied into what specialty? Um, internal medicine. Okay. All right. And why do you want to do internal medicine? Or if you get asked, what do you see yourself doing with in internal medicine? What are your goals for internal medicine? Which are the same question, basically. Why do you want to do IM? You know, where do you see yourself going after you complete residency? If you're asked that question, how would you respond to it? Um, as a person, I'm, I'm a thinker. I always think things and I like to analyze and I'm very logical. So that's one of the things that I like about internal medicine because it's a very broad um, part of medicine that you are able to like touch everything and you have to like think like it's a process. So that's one of the things that I do like about internal medicine. And in the future, I see myself going to cardiology. I've always really had a passion. Yeah. I so I like, your 
<laughs> I like your response because you t you talked about your personal character, um, maybe some personality traits and how it fits in with the specialty being a diagnostician. And then you already kind of have a vision or a plan for what you may want to do. Um, so maybe some tips that I'll add to that is, depending on where you're interviewing on that day, if you're being asked okay. that question, be, instead of just leaving it as a general, you know, yeah, I, you know, I'm a deep thinker. I like to, to go into detail and I have a strong interest in internal medicine. It should be about that program. So if I okay. was interviewing, if I'm in Chicago, for example, and I'm interviewing at, um, I'm trying to think of a Swedish covenant or something. I don't know if they have a residency program. I would say, you know, personally, I've always been a deep, think, a deep, deep thinker. Um, I like to analyze things in detail, which I think is a strong trait to have for a clinical diagnostic specialty like internal medicine. But beyond okay. that, living in the Chicago area, I've grown to learn about your program and the curriculum that it has and how it empowers its residents to grow in the field. I maybe have an interest in fellowship. I'm thinking cardiology, but you know, I'm open to the possibilities. And I do know that you know, residents from your program have graduated to pursue cardiology fellowship. So that makes me feel inclined to want to be a part of your, because at that point, it's just not like, oh, I like internal medicine. I like to diagnose people. It's, and I want to be a cardiologist. It's, yeah, I like the specialty, but I'm talking to you, Dr. Loom, and you, Dr. Loom, are a program director at a program that I want to be a part of. And here's why I want to be a part of it. And here's what I know about your program and how I fit in. So what you're okay. doing is you're sort of breaking down every barrier that that person has in their head about how you'll be a good fit. So you're speaking mm -hmm. to the questions that they may be asking themselves. Like, okay, so why do we have to bring her here? I mean, yeah, every person I interview likes to think deeply. Every internist likes to go looking for the true reason why the person is sick. So what's special, right? But what could be special is that you have a prior knowledge of how this program aligns with your goals and how you will fit into that program. So mm -hmm. consider just, and that answer changes. Now, if you went to interview in your number five program that's in Ohio, well, you're not going to use the example of being a local Chicago person, right? It would be the answer of, well, I've seen that alumni from my school have matched here in the past and they've done really well in their careers. And that's enough for you to want to be a part of it. You know, or it could be yeah. whatever. It could be another reason that speaks to that person in front of you and why you chose to apply there in the first place. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much. All right, so let's give somebody else the opportunity to come on and get their rapid fire interview session. We'll X you up. All right, so she left. Um, so who else wants to be a part who else wants to be a part everybody's there are people on here i see the number of people on the live and nobody wants to get a rapid fire question so let's see lotus says when we send love interest should we address that i said program director dear mrs mr sir address them formally always um should we send our cv I don't think there's a need for it. I think the biggest need would be your AMC and ERAS ID. Um, and let's see who else. Template on how to write a letter of interest. Um, I may have to create one and post on my stories over the next few days. You can look up for that. But otherwise, those who are part of my IMG remote course have a template for that as well. Um, so let's see. Anybody else have a question? Now, if there are no questions, I'm going to sign off. And thank you guys so much for joining. I hope this was beneficial to you. I do have a 
I want to say 60 plus minute webinar on the same topic. It's at imgroadmap.com slash P slash interview prep. Um, you can find it on my course platform. It carries just a lot of more pertinent information with slides and um, information that you can carry with you as you prepare. I see I have some questions that have popped up. No, you don't need to send a letter of interest to every program, Lapel. You send a letter of interest where you want it to go. So uh, Priya says, just interested for live question. Yes, please join the live. Let's see if we can get you. Priya, can you can you join us? You can join you can join by clicking on the very bottom where there's two people. Um, there's like an icon of two heads. You just click on there and it'll add you to my live. Um, so let's see. Let's see who else wants to join. Let's give Priya a second, see if she can join us. Also, the link to my webinar is in the it's in my profile, like in the link in my profile. If you have questions about that, um, I'm going to also try to type it down here in the chat. Amjuromap.com slash P slash interview prep. So there, I posted it down there. Um, let's see. So I have some other questions that came up in the back. We have this one that says, is it possible for an Indian IMG to get a green card after residence? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I'm an IMG from Cameroon. My roommate was, oh, it. Well, when I was in Mexico, my roommate was an IMG from Chennai, India. And we both went on to do J1 jobs. And um, I did get my green card last year. I know my roommate from medical school, who was the person that is in Chennai or from Chennai, she's still in the process waiting, but she's on, uh, she's, she's on that pathway. So I know for sure that it is, it is possible. Let's see. Uh, oh, for more. so in order to request to be in the live, you just go down to the bottom of the live and click ask to join and it will bring you in. Um, I'm applying with my partner as a couple and he received an interview invitation. How should I contact the program? Um, it's if I'm applying with my partner, how should I send a letter of interest of my partner? Yeah, so I mean, you can just send a letter to program coordinator and say, hey, yeah, your partner got an interview there. You're wondering, you know, you're also interested and see what happens. Um, let's see what's your advice with someone offered a pre-match interview. If you're offered a pre-match interview, go for it. And if you like the program, take it. I think that that's, uh, I think that that's a great opportunity. Um, I wouldn't let that pass me by if it was something I wanted. Um, so let's see. Do you know anything about space medicine? Nope. I don't know anything about space medicine. Um, how easy it is to get a J1 job in medicine. It is possible. Uh, you have to obtain interview at a program that, uh, offers J1 visa sponsorship. That's the key. Um, please share the website again. I posted it previously. imgroadmap.com slash P slash interview prep. And all right, I don't, okay, I have one request. All right, let's see, Melissa's requesting, let's add her on. Oh, Priya says so she doesn't have the opportunity. This is considered primary care. Uh, Tanula asked that question. Yes, it is primary care. Um, uh, Arise One says, are you gonna save this live? Yes, I'll save the live. Can an IMG join the US Air Force? So I don't know if you can join the Air Force, but when I was in residency, the Army, had an option for IMGs to sign up, but you have to serve for about seven to eight years in exchange. Um, and they offer, I think they offer some kind of expedited citizenship pathway. It's pretty complex, but I know that that's possible. Um, after residency, the waiver jobs are done on an H-1B visa, 
But the J-1, when you finish residency, you'll have to apply for a waiver for your J-1 home requirement um, during your last year of residency so that you can be converted into an H-1B prior to starting work. So in your last year of residency as a J-1, you will have to apply for a waiver to defer the home requirement and fulfill it in the States, maybe in an underserved area. Uh, clothes to wear for interview, a suit is always going to be best. It just eliminates any confusion there. Um, a photo could be clear. Just, I mean, even iPhone photos are great. Um, so always intense says nephrology. Yes, nephrology is open for H1 opportunities. That is correct. All right, Melissa, we have you on. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. So I know you're applying okay. to OBGYN, OB. correct? Yes. Yes, okay. that's what I want. Yes. So let's do some rapid fire question. Uh, let's just throw it at you. Hey, Melissa, thanks for interviewing with us today here at University of Nina Loom. Um, we were so impressed with your application, but can you just tell us a little bit about, tell me about yourself. Hi, Dr. Loom. So first off, thank you for having me come in today. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, about myself, um, so I am Canadian-born, Haitian-raised, and I moved back to um, Canada when I was uh, in my teen years and um, went to med um, nursing school, graduated uh, in 2010, and had been working as an L&D nurse up until I applied for uh, med school, and I've loved every minute of, uh, of it to the point that I've actually been inspired to go back to med school and actually be a, um, go down the route to becoming an OBGYN. And so this is where it took me to here today. Okay, awesome. So I think with your story, as far as I like that you focused on origins, um, which usually speaks, tells a story of resilience, you know, hard work and all that. But then you went right into your work as an L&D nurse because right. that offers you a little bit more of, you know, and I, uh, the perception of I know a little bit more about OB maybe than somebody who doesn't have that experience. And depending on who you're speaking to, that could be a plus um, mm -hmm. in a sense that, you know, you may work with a pro OB nurse person um, or you may work with somebody who doesn't like the nurses. You know, you don't know who it is that you're talking to. But it's a good thing to use your past experience to speak about yourself and how it ties in while you're sitting in the office on that day. So definitely, I think that that's, um, that's, a, that's a strong point. So let me ask you another rapid fire question. If, say, for example, you're on interview and they ask you, hey, Melissa, why do you have a gap in your, you know, in your medical school education? What are you going to say? Um, well, the gap that you're referring to was during the period um, where COVID um, pandemic started. And so with all the crisis, it was safer the, that it was safer for the medical student to be to return home, which I did. Um, as well, during that time, um, I took a little took time to my for myself also reflected on where I wanted to go and where um, where I wanted to go in the future. And as well, I took the time also to help out um, my fellow nurses uh, back in, the, in Canada and the, on the floors because they were very short around the time. So I went back, back on the field and um, during that time and give a helping hand. So that was what I did with my time. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, definitely I would focus more on, you know, uncontrollable circumstances, right? Right. Uh, mm -hmm. making sure that it's understood that it was such and most people after the year we've all had will understand that but then really focusing on that you were 
still in the workforce, still trying to help, um, still in healthcare. So the most important thing is to give the perception that you continue to remain relevant to the practice of medicine, even though you were not actively in school at that time. Okay. Great. Thank you. All right. No problem. Let's see if somebody else can come on. Thanks for coming on, Melissa. Bye. All right, so let's see. It looks like I got some more questions. We're almost on time here. We have five more minutes. Um, this question says, after he received the invitation, after he had the interview, I think you can reach out anytime. There's no right time. Okay, first of all, there's no rule that you should reach out to programs. And some programs don't like it. Some don't care. Uh, some may use that to say, hey, you are interested. It's hard to tell what program is falls under what category, right? So you reaching out is taking a risk. I'm more of a risk taker, so I would always recommend that you try anyhow. So there's no right or wrong time. You just go for it, and you just get your best shot. Um, let's see here. I have another question under here. How can I convince that I can fit into general surgery? What can I say, for example? So it depends on what you've done in your past. Have you like what have you done in your career have you were you a general surgeon in your country were you um have you done any general surgery research have you done any acting internships in general surgery have you done any rotations in general surgery that left a lasting impression on you so those are just things that you can use in your arsenal so you need to remember like on interview day you're not just going to be spitting out um ideas from nowhere you're going to be talking about experiences that you've hopefully already captured in your eras form you've captured in your application somewhere or the other. So that being said, this is these are not questions that you're, the, the answers are gonna just spring out from nowhere. It has to be the story of your life. It has to be what you've actively been doing because honesty and integrity is what matters the most. Um, yes, so in the tell me about yourself section, I will definitely put that in there. If I was actively working on step three, I'll definitely speak about that, uh, but usually, in some instances, you can always bring that up later on. So here's my other tip for, for communicating. If I feel like there is something that would make me more appealing to a program because of my knowledge of them, I'll always try to say it at some point, even if I'm not being asked about it. So maybe you have a, a friend that's a current resident and they tell you, oh, they want this program likes IMGs to have step three results. Instead of waiting for them to ask me if I have step three, I'll offer that information to them because I know that someone in the program has told me that they prefer IMGs to have step three before they take them into the program. Because what I'm doing there is I'm just sort of foreshadowing. Like I'm just going one step ahead so that they know that, hey, I'm coming in ready. I know about you. I know what you want and I have what you want. Um, and to me, that's what I would use. Now, if I know they want research, then I'll make sure that I talk to them about maybe I don't have research background, but I'm open to learning. I'm open to um, it's a desire of mine to present at a local conference at some point during their residency program um, or during the training. You know, you want to express the things that you want that the program has because that's how you make it fit. You know, for you to fit into a hole, there has to be like you need to be able to meet them where they want to be met. And so you're kind of, you know, there's some kind of conformity going on there. Uh, Virginia asks if they ask about a gap, how does taking time studying for USMLE look? Is this still a negative gap? So yeah, if they ask about a gap and you spend that to study for the steps, I think it's fair to say it, you know, especially if you did well on the steps after. And even if you did not, I think you should say that you took time off to study for the steps um, because that's what you did. You know, that's exactly what you did. Now, I, I just would not just say, hey, yeah, I took time off to study for the steps and, you know, that's it. I would probably say, you know, as a result of maybe my performance on the NBME exam, I felt like I needed additional time or my school recommended 
additional study time um, for me to, to implement before I took the exam. So I took three months off to prepare for the exam. And I'm so grateful that I took that time off because I ended up scoring a 240. Because then at that point, it's just not, hey, I took a gap to study. It's, there was a trigger, okay? Again, back to storytelling. There was a character, there was a challenge, and there was an outcome. So my challenge was I didn't do well on the NBME. My school recommended I take time to study for the steps. It took me three, four months to pass that NBME and then eventually sit for the exam. But I succeeded at the end and I succeeded with the score of this. Because then the person listening is no longer just fixated on the gap, but they're now shifting from being fixated on a gap to being fixated on the fact that you were actually following recommendations based on true performance and you needed help. And you took the help, you worked on it, and then you implemented the help and your outcome was way better than it would have been. So I think that's just the way to think about it. Um, was just about to ask the question about step three. Okay, there you got your answer. Let's see if we can go live with the good doctor here. Oh, she declined. Add for most green. I saw you requested to join and I added you and you declined. But that's fine, you know. Um, Fortune Ornish. Ornish asks, what type of visa do I need to take to step one? You don't need a visa to take step one, honey. You can take step one anywhere in the world without a visa. You don't need a visa to take step one. All right, let's see. Let's view this request again. I just posted the link to my interview webinar as well in the chat for those who are asking for it. Um, let's see if she connects. Oh, hi. There you are. <laughs> I thought you declined. I was like, no, that oh, was kind of bummed. I didn't know what I did. <laughs> I was kind of bummed. I was like, oh, my you gosh. Someone, come on. Okay, so um, rapid fire. You want some rapid fire questions? Okay, so let's see. So tell us your name. Uh, my name is Folu Akemi Olufenti, but most people call me Folu. Okay. So on your application, it's probably going to be Dr. Folu? Folu. Folu. Okay. All right. So what are you applying into? Um, so family medicine. Okay. So if you are sitting at the program XYZ and they ask you, hey, so tell me about yourself. Well, um, I'm originally, my name is Folu Akemi, as I said earlier, and you can call me Folu, but call me that. I would like to first and foremost say thank you for the opportunity to interview with you. And I hope at the end of this, you learn more about me as I would learn more about you. Um, I'm originally from Nigeria, a recent graduate from Ross University School of Medicine in the Caribbean. Um, and I'm currently a simulation teaching assistant with Ross University School of Medicine. Well, that will explain my curiosity for knowledge and passion for teaching. I moved to Dominica at the age of six to pursue, sorry, to pursue a career in medicine. I'm sorry. Um, the thing I learned about myself on those days is my resilience and being able to step up to the plate, which is displayed in my seat with all my leadership position. Outside of medicine, I love to sew and I love to cook. So I love to people trying out my recipe. And um, after, last year when I did not match, I started a YouTube channel to encourage other people into um who did who, that they were not alone okay so i i mean when i listen to you i like i like you know hearing about all the things that you that define who you are but i thought i felt like they were very disjointed um and, and there shouldn't you don't have to memorize a script right um to sort of repeat when you're asked about tell me about yourself um it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to follow a script uh it could be just as good as you know, let it flow. Because I felt like some of it too was kind of rehearsed. Like, 
evidenced by my CV or, you know, look at the work that I've done. You can, you can freely speak and share a story without sounding like you kind of practice that question, so to speak. Um, because real conversations are not practiced. And those are the best ones where it kind of goes back and forth. I think you have a strong story there with talking about your background, obviously where you went to school and your difficulty matching because that almost also already answers a question that a, an interviewer may have as to, well, you graduated in this year, so you know why aren't you already in residence? So I think that it's good because you open up about something that could look like a red flag, right, to some, but you open up about it on the front end. Um, so I like that point as well. So my only feedback would be, you know, make it shorter, make it just more, more, you. Um, not really just listing out, oh yeah, as evidenced by my CV, I, you know, I have this quest for knowledge. Uh, it's kind of like, okay, well, as opposed to, you know, I like to, I, like, I teach a sim lab now because I didn't match last year. Um, and in the process of doing that, here are the things that I've done to improve myself for this match. Okay. Um, I think that's a really strong story. And then also, you, you know, talk, touching a little bit on your background kind of helps define your resilience as well. Thank you. All right. So let's see. Um, let, me, I, let me rephrase the question now and ask you, you know, if I was interviewing you and I asked, yeah, so tell me about, you know, you, it says you graduated in, I'm just going to hypothetically say 2018. And now it's 2020. So what have you been doing over the last year or last two years? So over the last year, I've been trying, um, in order to stay active with my medical knowledge, I took my step and I passed it. And also currently I'm a simulation teaching assistant um, for Rush University where I help students with effective time management and also in the same process, um, keep my medical knowledge up to date. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. I like that. Okay. Um, let me find another very generic question that you may ask. Oh, they may ask you, you know, what do you, what questions do you have for us? You know, what are some things that you think that you may want to talk about if that you may want to know if you're being asked that question? Sorry, I don't get it. Sorry. So like, you know, sometimes some programs may ask you, so what questions do you have for me? Right. Um, about, and, and the thing is, I guess that question is not fair to you because I don't have a program. Right. But you, you know, if you were to. I would suggest that you you be prepared to to answer to that. Like, oh, so what questions do you have for me? You know, because you may you sound like you know what you're already gonna say. You've been practicing. I can tell. You know, but beyond that, they may also just say, well, she already knows everything that you know she wants. What does she have to ask me? Right. So just be ready for a question like that. Yeah. Um, so I always look the program up first. So my question is always in line with what I look up. But mm -hmm. since I don't know your program, I'll just ask you as the program director, um, what what changes are you um what changes do you have in mind? Oh not in mind. So what changes are in works for the improvement of your residency program right now? Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that question. Yeah, it's forward thinking. All right. Very well. Well, thanks for joining the Q&A and doing the rapid fire. That was awesome. <laughs> Let's see if we have more questions if somebody else wants to join us. Um, someone's asking, is it true that there's a plan to cancel J1? I have not heard of this plan yet. There's a lot out there in the media, but I wouldn't be too worried about it. There will always be J1 doctors in this country, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but those of you who can vote, do go out and vote and vote with that in mind. Um, how do we answer the question about our weaknesses? So this person asked, how do we answer the question about our weakness? 
yes, always use how it made you better. So it shouldn't just be, here's my weakness. It should be, here's something that I've dealt with in the past. Here are some things I've implemented to overcome it. And here's how I'm overcoming it right now. That's the best way to answer the question of tell me um, about your week. So we have another request. I'm enjoying this, guys. Are you guys enjoying it? I'm really enjoying this. So let's see if we let's connect, with, we this connect person. with this other person. Hey there. Hey there. Can you, do you have a question for us? Do you want to do rapid fire? Okay, that's fine. Looks like we may not be able to connect with you. All right. Hopefully we'll have another one in the future. But if you enjoyed this session, please leave a comment. I'm going to post this on my Instagram feed so that it stays on there and you can watch the replay. But go ahead right now and share it to your story if you liked it because I want as many, many IMGs to watch this before tomorrow. I know tomorrow is Monday. People are going to start scheduling and doing their interviews again. So I think more people need to hear this. More people need to watch this. Let's not keep the information to ourselves, right? Like, you know, I, I don't believe in sitting on information and not sharing and helping other people. So if you found this helpful, what you can do to help me spread this message is share this to your story um, and tag me so I can repost you. Um, I would really, really appreciate it if you did that. And, um, and yeah, so Sam Catcher asked, how do I respectfully cancel an interview? Just cancel. If you have so many interviews, the earlier you cancel, the better it is for other people. Because I mean, if you have like, I don't know, 20 plus interviews and you know, like you just don't need 20 and you're not interested in 10 of them. Well, if you cancel early, you're giving another IMG an opportunity to get invited from the wait list. So programs know people cancel, they know things change. So they definitely have a wait list for that reason. So please, um, you know, there's always a way to help another person there. So please, please, please share this with your friends, families, uh, interview prep for IMGs. I put my webinar link in the bottom there. Um, and we'll take last one last question. What about if you graduate in a French university? Can you specialize in the U.S.? Yes, you'll still have to take USMLE step one and step two and apply into residency to be able to specialize. Um, so Ravneet asks, can I change my interview date on ERAS after scheduling a date? Yes, you can. Yep. But make sure that before you cancel your current date that they actually have an opening for you. If you're in doubt, always ask from coordinator. Program coordinators are here to help you. They're good people. They want to hear from you. They want to connect with you. Don't ever be afraid to reach out to them. That's all they do is sit there and coordinate the program. So do feel free to reach out to them. Thank you guys for joining. I'll end it and I'll save this to my profile. I want you to share it, share, 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 share. Thanks guys. Happy interview season. Bye.